0: The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings, Web Design, Creepy Changing Portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com.
1: Welcome, boys and goons! It's time once again to kick open the old mausoleum door. And see what climbs out! Clawing his way out of a fetid grave is Drew, a.k.a. Rabid Badger. Pull up a slab with Jim Millspaw in his award-winning role as the Professor of Torture, Meathook Hook Jim. Jason Storm is here as fan-favorite gothic commentator Storm! Do you smell something burning? It must be Salem's favorite old crone, Jonah
2: Summers!
1: (laughs) Now light a torch, grab your pitchfork, and make like a bunch of terrified villagers! You found another episode of The Big Scary show!
0: <laughs> Welcome to December, folks. The big scary show hosts are all excited about the holiday season, and why shouldn't we be? Krampusnacht is December fifth. There's all sorts of. Holiday Christmas events and Krampus events happening over the next few weeks. You know, it is truly a wonderful time of the year. We hope you'll get out and support those local haunts. They're doing it for you folks in the cold. So get out and support those local haunts. It may be cold outside, but the action is hot here at the Big Scary Show Studios. We have a jam-packed show for you, episode 303. Storm is bringing you a haunt-minute rant about, shall we say, outrageous after-parties at conventions. Meat Hook Jim is going to be discussing the electric chair. That should be shocking. Huh? Huh? Sorry. On Between the Corpses, I'm going to be bringing you the latest in deadline news, as well as a gruesome giveaway for the month of December. So please stick around and listen to that and maybe you'll win a great prize just in time for the holidays. The Old Crone is back talking about reassessing your season in Ask the Old Crone. Dick Terhune, the voice from hell, is back with us with his marketing morgue with a, shall we say, seasonal tip. Now, of course, we've got some rocking tunes for you to keep your blood pumping and warm in this very, very chilly month of the year and of course we can't forget the round table of terror we bring in craig hines from our fine sponsor dark imaginings to talk about all the cool stuff that he has been up to you know he's the one that does those ghoulish gallery and creepy changing portraits that we talk about in the commercials and can do custom work maybe in time for the holidays you'll just have to find out if you can he also talks about keeping your websites updated. There's some very interesting things that have happened over the last few years technology-wise, and if your website hasn't been updated in a few years, maybe you should give this uh, this roundtable a listen. Also, he has started a new publishing company, so if you're an up-and-coming horror writer, you might want to check this roundtable out. It's Pretty darn fascinating. A lot of fun conversation, and of course, we try to bring all the fun to you here each and every month on The Big Scary Show. Welcome to the holiday season, folks. It's going to be a wild ride, so let's get started.
1: Come now and explore the possibility of the impossible. Centronics International presents a terrifying journey into the supernatural narrated by the master of slithering evil, Rod
3: Serling. It is tradition that ghosts and ghouls and various other citizens of the grotesque wrap themselves in malevolent mists and deep darkness, disguised as all manner of things. This is a terrifying encounter with the unknown. Spun by Devils Encounter With the Unknown What's up America This is Dave Sheridan You might know me from movies like Victor Crowley, Devils Rejects And Scary Movie And you're listening to The Big Scary
4: Show The Graveyard Boulevard Paid to get in i get out on the big scary show.
0: A haunted house
4: is a house of ghosts. The spirits of people who die. But the spirits of people
2: living in the house possessed have never existed one. they only exist in the spirit.
5: They're pure Evil. Evil.
0: to step up your costume cfx products perform in every environment film haunted attractions stage shows theme parks cosplay and good old-fashioned halloween created for realism and comfort from the number one company leading the industry for over 16 years a cfx silicone mask isn't finished until you put it on whatever your needs cfx has you covered with silicone and once you put it on you two will agree that a CFX mask will be the most comfortable rubber you'll ever wear. Find your new face today at cfxmasks.com, cfxmasks.com.
4: Broadcasting to you. From the darkest reaches of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm.
6: Alright, so as haunters, we're starting to get, you know, a little too weird for our own good again. Um, let's take for this week the announcement with the East Coast um, Haunt Show for Trans World. Uh, they're having an after party and it'll take place at a place called Otherworld, Philadelphia. This is one of those art installations which um, have all the weird stuff going on. It's immersive. It's a big light and and sculpture show thing. Uh, If you've heard of Meow Wolf or Omega Mart, uh, it's like those. and These big things to go to and are just really neat creative things to go see and something you don't normally do. But apparently now this is the trend that we can't just have parties after conventions in the ballroom at the hotel with, uh, you know, some uh, chicken fingers and a whole bunch of drinks. Now, now we gotta have these... If you're gonna be a haunter, if you're gonna have a haunt convention, you gotta find the weirdest venue you can possibly get to have the party at afterwards. Um, you know... It, Take, for example, Transworld. The big party now uh, has been the uh, city museum. And everybody talks about that and going through all the interactive uh, things there, the big slide and, and just having the party and, you know, the bars and socializing. in such a unique atmosphere. And this even goes back way, uh, you know, years ago to Midwest Honors Convention was in Ohio. One of the times uh, we'd gone to that as a show Um, We uh, all met together and had fun at this uh, party, this vampire party at this um, um, old church that was redone as a nightclub bar. It was pretty cool. So, you know, maybe we're going a little too far, but who knows? As long as we can keep finding these weird venues and, you know, the creative juices for haunters just flowing out at conventions, uh, we're just going to keep having weird stuff. and. You know, we're, we're haunters, so we're not having a rave-at-abandoned warehouse. We're renting out the weirdest art institution in the city and, you know, see us there for a party. So until next time, keep every minute scary. I'm going to go look for my voice.
4: in next episode for another Haunt Minute.
0: Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com.
7: This is Michael Edwards from Terror in the Corn in Erie, Colorado, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show.
8: Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell. Walk with me into the marketing morgue. Gather round the fire, my dears, and while you roast your chestnuts, let dear old Uncle Dick tell you a little holiday story. It's not a very cheerful story, no Hallmark movie here, but there have been a few film adaptations, even an episode of American Dad took on the subject. It is, of course, the story of Krampus and there are quite a few haunts who've embraced the anti-claws as part of their regular season or as a soft opening opportunity in December. Nothing soft about this guy, though. His origins predate Christianity in Central European pagan celebrations of the winter solstice. According to legend, this fearsome, fursome creature, complete with horns, hooves, and a lolling, pointy tongue, is the son of hell, That's with one L, the Norse god of the underworld. As Christianity rose in Europe, Krampus was eventually assimilated into the celebration of St. Nicholas. Yes, the actual St. Nicholas, who was a bishop in the 4th century, who had a reputation for secret gift-giving, like through windows and chimneys. This rather odd couple worked hand-in-hoof to make sure that children would behave— While Saint Nicholas rewards nice children by leaving presents, Krampus beats the naughty ones with branches and sticks. In some cases, he is said to eat them or take them to hell with two L's. Wow, who knew Christmas could be so terrifying? Oh, I can answer that, the Victorians. In the days long before you could go hide from your family with your iPhone to watch the NBA on Christmas Day, telling ghost stories near the fireplace was quite a popular tradition. And then Charles Dickens knocked it out of the park with a story about a mean old man who gets terrorized by four ghosts on Christmas Eve. By now you may be wondering how all this ties in with advertising and marketing your haunt. Well, If you have control of the space that you use during Halloween season, and you can get a cast and crew together, Holiday Horrors could be another opportunity to get your audience to press that Buy Tickets Now button. Krampus and A Christmas Carol are just two inspirations for material. Personally, I'd love to see somebody do an elf-on-the-shelf-themed holiday haunt, that creepy little runt. Frosty the Abominable Snowman? Come on, guys. Don't make me put coal in your stockings. Gruus vom Krampus. In future episodes, we'll rip further into the guts of haunt advertising and probe the most effective and creative ways you can market and promote your haunted attraction. Got a question? You can message me at VoiceFromHell on Facebook. I'm Dick Terhune. Join me next time here in the Marketing Morgue, where there's always room for one more...
7: Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com
3: Music by Midnight Syndicate.
0: Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is the Deadline News for episode 303. And We're going to start things off with this from Deceased Farm Haunted Attraction in Lexington, South Carolina. Santa is ready for a spooky good time. How about you? Mark your calendars and get ready for a not-so-silent night. Deceased Farm is open four nights in December, the 8th, 9th, 15th, and 16th for Winter Slaying. And our monsters are feeling that holiday spirit. Get all the details at their website, deceasedfarm.com. We have this from Frightworks Haunted House in Powell, Tennessee. We're making Christmas spooky at Frightworks. This special event is only happening for two nights, December 8th and 9th, from 7 to 10 p.m. It's the most frightening time of the year. The nights are long, dark, and cold. What better time to stir up the ghosts of the season at Frightworks Haunted Holidays? Grab a candle and experience the corridors and creatures of Frightworks Haunted House in a whole new way. But beware, you don't want a restless holiday spirit to follow you home. And just remember, Krampus is waiting for you. Make sure to get your tickets now at Frightworks.com. We have this update from Days of the Dead coming to Atlanta. It is with great pleasure that we announce the addition of actor Michael Ironside to the guest roster for Days of the Dead Atlanta, happening January 26th through the 28th at the Cortland Grand Hotel. You may remember him as the deadly and powerful psychic Daryl Revick in David Cronenberg's Scanners, the vicious misogynistic psychopath Colt Hawker in the underrated Visiting Hours, and Lieutenant Razik in Starship Troopers' among many other roles. Get tickets and more information at daysofthedead.com We have this from the Seven Gates Scream Park in Niagara Falls, New York. Christmas Nightmare is happening this December 15th and 16th. Evil Santa, Demonic Elves, and so much more. For this special event, Seven Gates Scream Park transforms into a terrifying winter wonderland you do not want to miss. Tickets are available now. And we'll also have a scare-free Little Demon Day on December 16th. It's going to be a jolly good time. So get those tickets and more information at SevenGatesNiagara.com. That is the number 7. We have this from the paranoia haunt in Canton, Georgia. Join us for your last chance to experience paranoia this year at the Holiday of Horror. Halloween is over, but we'll open our doors for one night only, December 9th, to bring you some festive frights, including our evil elves, that mean little Grinch, the Paranoia Krampus, and of course, Santa Claus. More information can be found at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash paranoiahunt. We have this from the Akron Haunted Schoolhouse and Laboratory in Akron, Ohio. Halloween season has ended, but the spooky season never does. Something new is coming to the legendary Akron Haunted Schoolhouse. Join us and experience our first ever creepy Christmas, December 8th and 9th. The elves have decked out all three floors of the haunted schoolhouse with lights, trees, and holiday cheer galore. But the monsters and ghosts that roam these halls aren't. Quite as jolly. Get more information at their Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash haunted schoolhouse and lab. We have this from Factory of the Dead in Saginaw, Michigan. Join us for a holiday horror story at Factory of the Dead. The Factory of the Dead, notorious for its spine-tingling Halloween horrors, is back with an eerie twist on your favorite holiday. This Christmas, say goodbye to sugar plums and holiday cheer as the haunted house transforms into a chilling realm of Xmas gifts, evil elves, and scary snowmen. Prepare for a holiday experience like no other as your cherished traditions take a terrifying turn in this Christmas themed interactive event. Happening December 16th from 7 to 11 p.m., get more information at factoryofthedead.com. We have this from the Nowhere Haunted House in Inver Grove, Minnesota. Join Nowhere Haunted House in starting a new holiday tradition. This isn't just a Christmas-themed haunted house, it's an immersive theater experience where you become part of the show. Spend 45 minutes being guided through our decked-out halls steeped in disturbing holiday vignettes, ghost stories, and monstrous creatures from the world of winter folklore. Get more information at their Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Haunted House. We have this from the Hillside House of Hell in Glenwood, Iowa. It's a very scary Christmas, December 15th, 16th, and 17th. The misfits are decking the halls with ho-ho horror. Every square inch of Hillside is completely rethemed for a killer Christmas spectacular. Get your photo taken with Krampus. Witness our state-of-the-art selfie rooms and Monster Museum, plus free Santa hats for the first 100 guests. Get more information and tickets at ScareIowa.com. And finally, we have this from the 13th floor haunted house in Houston, Texas. We have transformed our haunted house into a Christmas wonderland, although it won't all be glitter and snowflakes. Forget those old boring traditions. We've swapped our pumpkins for Christmas lights, zombies for evil elves, and of course, Krampus. Your favorite holiday takes a demonic turn in this Christmas-themed immersive haunted house. Keep your eyes peeled and find all of your favorite holiday traditions, but this time, full of holiday fear. Get more information at 13thfloorhouston.com/krampus. That is the number 13. 13thFloorHouston.com slash Krompus. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us news at bigscaryshow.com and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Spectral Illusions is a digital production studio creating video effects for your home or pro haunt. They carry over 30 stock videos ready for immediate download, as well as USB drives preloaded with multiple effects. In partnership with AAXA Technologies, they now carry projectors preloaded with multiple effects. And now Big Scary Show listeners can get 15% off downloads, USBs, and screens with code BIGSCARY15 projectors not included. Visit spectralillusions.com and add some life to your haunt. That's spectralillusions.com The Pine Box
4: Boys I kept her heart on the Big Scary Show.
3: I married darling Jessica, and she was just 15 when her daddy traded her for a horse he'd never seen. For 15 years she shared with me my house on Hill, but she said she never loved me, and she swore she never will. And that broke my heart, and I thought I'd die. And I stared at old Grim Reaper in the eye, but my heart grew cold, and I wanted my revenge, and I promised him another bite. I said, darling Jessica, I'm getting quite a chill Let's go up on the mountain, fetch jargon, burn the still And bring your woolen coat, for there's a storm coming in But she knew she wouldn't need it, for she wouldn't be back again She looked at me, she said, you lied For a moment there, I thought that I might cry Sang the mournful whipper will as I dragged my darling Jessie to the branch there by the mill. And there we bowed our heads and asked for blessings from above. Tonight, my darling Jessica was knocking consumed by love. And I kept her heart, for it was mine. But I left her bloody skull there in the pines. And I make my
9: Hey, this is Dave Davis with
7: the Haunted Woods, Roosevelt, Utah, giving out a big shout for the Big Scary Show. You're now listening.
1: Want to take your haunt to a
10: new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home,
5: haunt, or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop (laughs) by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition.
0: (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, we hope you're listening carefully to the show because it is time for the December gruesome giveaway sponsored by ScreamlineStudios.com. It is the season of giving, and we are excited to be able to give away... A great prize from Screamline Studios. So folks, even if you don't win, get out there to ScreamlineStudios.com and get all your holiday shopping done. And then you can relax and do other things. You know how this works. I'm going to ask a question. The answer is in the show. If you think you know the answer, please email it to us. Yes, we still use email because we're old bsscontest at gmail.com with your name, your phone number and the answer and please get it to us before midnight on Monday, December the 11th. Now without further ado, the question for the December gruesome giveaway is During the Round Table of Terror, our guest talks about starting a publishing company in 2020. What was the name of the publishing company that our roundtable guest began? If you think you know that answer, again, please send us an email with your name and your phone number and the answer to bsscontest at gmail.com before midnight on Monday, December 11th, and we will select a random entrant, and you could win a great prize from Screamline Studios just in time for Christmas previous winners, and family members of The Big Scary Show not eligible to win. And thank you so very much to Screamline Studios for providing great, great prizes every single month of the year here on The Big Scary Show. The Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay, whether it's time ticketing virtual queue lines, or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at hauntpay.com. ladies and gentlemen welcome to the month of december i know we're all excited about that big holiday coming up in a couple of weeks you know haunted houses around the country are putting on krampus events and christmas events krampus Nacht is on december 5th and for the next two or three weeks there will be many many haunted attractions out there putting on some sort of a holiday event if you have one near you Please get out and support your local haunts. You know, the cold weather is here and actors dressed in outfits for October. You know, they're going through a lot, folks. Get out there and support your local haunts. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're not here to talk about the holiday season per se. We're here to talk with somebody we haven't talked to in so very long. You know, Thanksgiving was just last week. And someone that we are so very thankful for is our very fine sponsor Dark Imaginings that you probably heard their ad just before the round table started, because that's where we like to place it. It's been a long time since we've talked to Craig Hines from Dark Imaginings, owner of the Creepy Changing Portraits. He's also does amazing web design, including the Big Scary Shows webpage and has started a publishing company, which we'll certainly get into, and a whole lot of other things up near the Pittsburgh area. Craig Hines is with us. Craig, how are you, sir?
9: I'm well. Thank you very so much for having me on the show here.
0: Oh, we are very, very thankful that you were able to take some time to speak to us here, especially in the middle of the holiday season. I'm sure everyone's getting busy and and all sorts of things are going on. Um, with the haunt season in our rear view mirror, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at budgeting and all sorts of things. And one of the things that I'm sure that a lot of people are looking at, because I have over the past couple of years seen many, many more of these, your creepy changing portraits. I'm sure folks who go to haunted attractions, they look and walking through the house and they see the one beautiful lady or couple. And all of a sudden they turn into gruesome, terrible monsters based on the way that they, uh, that they look at the portrait you make those, and and I'm sure that a lot of people have been uh, ordering those things from you and and all that. How was your uh, season regarding uh, creepy changing portraits and stuff?
9: Oh, very good. Uh, in fact, there's I, I still have to get back to some people because we've had so much demand for custom portraits uh, that you know it's difficult for me to as one person just to keep up with everything. Uh, But yeah, so we've been doing the changing portraits since back in 2007. So a lot of haunts have had our uh, portraits featured in there. We also carry not just the portraits I create, but the Ghoulish Gallery, which is created by Tim Turner. Uh, So we have all of his portraits in our catalog. And then in addition to what I make myself, we also have, as I said, custom portraits. So people are always requesting like, Hey, you know, I have this wedding photo. I'd love to do this. Or, you know, we have an anniversary coming up. This would be a great gift for, you know, our anniversary, you know, or we all also use the joke they, they make great divorce announcements too, depending on how you want the picture to go.
0: <laughs> you know who I but, think would look really good on these would be our other host on the show. We definitely want to introduce them here up in Rhode Island. I think I could see a picture of he and his lovely wife as one of these cool portraits we have storm
6: it, I'm, well first of all i'm glad i was able to finally find the mute button there and also <laughs> you know glad i've recovered and come out of a tryptophan induced nap to uh you know join us tonight after all the turkey leftovers but uh I-, I want a changing portrait of you know the turkey you know how it starts out on thanksgiving and then how it looks by saturday
9: <laughs> that would be you know, fantastic I'll, I'll to get on that <laughs> hmm.
0: down in cincinnati i'm sure meat hook jim and his lady of darkness would make a great portrait
8: yeah
7: i think so
0: <laughs> I
7: see her now she's lost a lot of weight
0: oh that's awesome congratulations Yeah,
7: yeah.
0: out in fayetteville arkansas we have john of the old crone i i think that would be kind of cool because i don't think we've seen the uh the old crones partner have we
5: no you have not so yeah that would be interesting but the wise man will be joining me at Transworld, so you'll be Ooh. seeing a lot of him up there
0: fantastic look forward to that my name is drew badgett in charlotte nobody wants to see a portrait of me and it was 19 degrees this morning so i have a bit of a cough i've got some hot tea with some lemon and honey in it right now hopefully we'll get through this this conversation greatly, but, uh, but Craig, you know, we're talking about these, uh, portraits, custom work, you say, how, um, how does that actually work? You know, I went through a bunch of haunted houses this season, pretty much every single one of them I went to that had, you know, an, an indoor building had one of those portraits. I don't know if they all came from you, if they came from, you know, some other place, uh, are you, are not the exclusive, distributor of people who do these portraits are you
9: i'm not exclusive no so there are some other companies out there that do that uh but we have won awards in the past you know for what we've done and we are known for high quality portraits so usually people that are seeking out um the ones that look much better than what you might find in you know the the regular haunt stores or things that that they're affordable but they're not quite as good of quality so if they're looking for better transitions and better artwork on the portraits then that's whenever they usually seek us out to do that
0: is this one of those things where you know when I was a kid I used to have those little books or those little photos that way have had a series of lines on them and if you looked at it from one direction it looked like this you turned it a little bit it looked like that is that how they work or is it something a little bit
9: more Yes, that is exactly it. Uh, it's referred to as lenticular, you know, a lenticular lens. And what it does, it basically it re- refracts the light. And so our portraits don't need any electricity or anything like that to do the transformation. It's all based on your viewing angle. So uh, whenever you're approaching it from one angle, you see one version, typically, say a normal version. And whenever you get a little closer, it might transform on you and uh, suddenly you're faced with a a gruesome ghoul ready to devour you
0: Now, now how do you come up with these i mean i'm assuming that a lot of these photos which most of them look like they were taken in the 1800s are they like public domain are these like people you know how how do you come up with these people and then how do you decide what to do with them
9: uh yeah a lot of the photos uh that we have like you said are quite old so they are basically in public domain if you know we find them at auctions and things like that so that you know somebody might inherit items from you know a deceased family member and there's there's photo albums and things that they don't know who the people are or anything so we like to take them and then look through see if we can come up with an interesting story for a character if it sparks some sort of idea uh, especially if we can work in some sort of silly pun or something into the the name or the the backstory of the character. And so if we can come up with something like that, we we like to do that. And then we, you know, get working on the, the artwork and the transformation and, and give that person a whole new life or unlife, however you want to think about it. That, that kind of
0: brings up an interesting question. Have you ever had somebody say, hey, that's my grandmother or great grandmother or anything like that? Has anybody ever been recognized by some of
9: those No, I'm still waiting for that day. But, uh, you know, surprisingly, even though we've done, you know, many shows over all the years and, you know, literally like, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, thousands upon thousands of people have seen them at the shows. And I've never once had anyone come up and say, wait, that's my grandmother, you know.
0: when you said you did custom work, does that mean like you could put like the haunt owner's face on one of these and then turn him into a zombie or a skeleton or something like that?
9: Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's we get a lot of people, um, haunt owners, uh, even just people that are just Halloween fanatics. So they don't own a haunt or anything. They just love Halloween or things that are spooky. And so they'll contact me and they'll send like, say, a photo of their wedding or, um, you know, photo of their children. And they're like, really want to turn them into zombies. Or, you know, we, we want to be like, I always loved werewolves. So I want to turn into a werewolf. Uh, so with the custom ones, we get a little bit more freedom with uh, what a client might request. And so I'll always have to evaluate a photo first to make sure, one, it's going to work and be suitable for this kind of transformation. But with the custom portraits, we do allow that kind of freedom so that they can select what kind of monster transformation they want in it and then we also have another option which has proved to be extremely popular over the last few years that are our spirit portraits and those are a more affordable version of the custom portraits that are only eight by ten inches uh and they're inspired by what used to be featured at disney's haunted Mansion and so um disney apparently you know years ago they offered this in their uh shop this was after we had already been offering portraits but so they did their own unique spin but uh i guess just a couple years ago they stopped offering that in their uh gift shop and so you know i've since had so many people flooding me with requests because you know they're just like yours are fantastic and Actually, I've had people where they might have said like they got a portrait done of the family members at the time, but they only got like three out of four family members, or they might have a new child that wasn't around whenever they originally got the portraits done. And so now they want to complete the family. But, you know, since Disney no longer offers it, um, you know, they, they were out of luck until they found us and and then other times they've also had it where uh, they get a portrait done by us. And you're like, you know, this is actually better than the ones at Disney. So then they have me redo their (laughs) other portraits.
0: (laughs) You mentioned um, whether or not it's suitable for doing what, what's something that would not be suitable to have this done?
9: Um, Well, I mean, obviously one of the things is if it's in good taste or things like that Uh, also I have to make sure that, uh, have permission. Like you couldn't just send me a photo of some random person, you know, and like you have to sign off that, you know, you are authorized to be sending me that photograph because I don't want to have anyone get in any legal issues with that, but more so to the point of, you know, that that's usually not any sort of issue. Most people are just sending their own family photos and things. Um, but where it becomes sort of another aspect of whether or not it's suitable is they might send me a photograph uh that's low resolution, low quality, and it's just it's not gonna look right. Or it's um a photo that uh like it's a full body shot, and you know, if I crop it, it's not gonna look good whenever it's blown up to like just be a headshot because they, they can't get a, a higher quality photo. So that's why a lot of times people, you know, whenever they go to place an order, they think that you know, they're, they're automatically ordering right at that time. And you no, know, we have to specify on the website that it has to go through an evaluation because I don't want to be, you know, taking people's orders for things and find out that, you know, we, we can't do the photo for them. So if they, they simply just have to fill out the form and send it, and then I'll get back to them, you know, and say like, Hey, this will work great for the photo. We can move forward. Oh. Uh,
5: so is there a particular pixel, uh like a DPI or something like that that you that's on your website saying, you know, the pictures need to be
9: this. Um, I usually, I try not to bog everyone down with it, with all those details. But um, usually if you're talking as far as print, it's usually say 300 pixels per inch uh, for something, but most, even most smart, you know, phone cameras and things can take good quality photos. It's just sometimes they might be sending me a photo where, you know, it's just, it's not going to look good. Um you know, like they just snapped a selfie or something like that. And it's just not, not really suitable, especially for, you know, certain costs and things. If, you know, it's not like it's just a $25 photo or something, you know, that, you know, to get it done, there's obviously a lot of time and work involved. So I want to make sure that, you know, they're sending me a quality photo if they really want to have it completed. Um, But so normally just high resolution, you know, even said with, you know, most smartphones, they are able nowadays to capture, uh, high enough resolution um just as long as you make sure you have it set at the highest quality um and in cases where i've had instances where um somebody might be doing it as sort of a memorial to a deceased loved one uh and that's the only photo that they have and so yeah i'll try to see like they might send me a few different photos as an option and uh I'll go through and I'll say, okay, I think this one is the best. And even if at times that might be lower detail, it might look better. What I can sometimes do is I have special software to try and boost the appearance, the resolution of it and everything to make it more suitable for printing at a larger size. So there are ways we can work around it, but the main thing is just finding a good quality photo to start with. I can see how this
5: could be very time consuming for you. So, um, I, I can see why you have the cost that you do, because this isn't just, you know, an easy peasy two minute thing. There's, <laughs> yeah, a, there's the, a talent and artwork to this.
9: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, some people, I, I think that they get the impression, that especially with certain apps and things, they think it's just instantaneous. You know, I'll get some requests, you know, where literally like they said, they submit the photo and everything. And five minutes later, they're saying, Hey, where's my photo? You know, it's like this isn't an instant thing. You know, like we have to actually create the artwork. There's there's a real human behind this. You know, creating it.
0: <laughs> uh, I really want to go to a memorial service sometime with one of these, and then you know, there's their living picture, and then you've turned them into like some corpse, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah that 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 wouldn't raise an eyebrow at all at any memorial service, <laughs> would
9: it? But what's hey. the largest
5: that you could do? With this <laughs> like the uh, largest the, that you would be able to do.
9: The largest size that I can produce in studio is a 16 by 20 inch portrait. Um, So that's a decent size that a lot of people, you know, they want to go for that. I have had requests where people want larger, uh, for instance, like 18 by 24 or 24 by 36 uh, sizes like that. Uh, That is possible. Uh, However, in the past, since I can't produce that in-house, my printer can only do a 16 by 20. Uh, so we have to uh, outsource the printing and production of that to, like, one of the, the manufacturers, and so there's normally an increased cost with doing that, and, you know, we, we always get that approved with the client beforehand. So we say, like, okay, this is the cost, what it's going to be for what you want uh, if, up to 16 by 20, and if you want larger than that, then I'll have to get them an estimate for what it would be for outsourcing the portrait to another printing facility. Um, and unfortunately another one of the sort of victims of the the covid era and everything is we we have had still uh, continuing even to this day supply chain issues and things like that with uh, manufacturers for these lenses uh, either closing down or distribution becoming much more limited so it it becomes one of those issues where I said i can sometimes find a producer for larger sizes but uh, sometimes it's not always practical or feasible just because of the, the ava- availability of it.
5: How cool would this be if you could do something like with your haunt poster that's going to go in spirit or Halloween Express or something? You know, I mean, what a awesome way to separate yourself, your poster from everyone else's poster. That would be really cool, but I'm sure um, that would be way too cost prohibitive.
6: <laughs> oh, come on, Jonah. We know that you're dreaming of an old crone billboard over the interstate for Banshee Manor.
5: <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. I
0: totally see that happening at one day. And yeah. if they come in from the north side, it's going to look regular. If it comes in from the south side, it's going to look all dead and rotted away. Oh, beautiful.
9: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is possible to do things like posters and things, but as you did mention, it can become cost prohibitive simply because it's not your typical um just printing press you know doing this so whenever you have to outsource it to these other print facilities they're normally looking at like runs of like hundreds if not thousands of units at a time and things so it can be done but it needs to be done by special facilities and uh there's there's a whole other process involved because of the the way that the lenses work
0: well i think the majority of the uh Portraits that I've seen in haunted attractions over the last, you know, 10 years or so tend to be, you know, eight by ten, maybe eleven by seventeen. They don't seem to be that big. So, you know, because you got so many other things to see in and, and and frankly, it's it's decoration. It's wall, you know, it's not the scare, it's not even a distraction. It's it's the ambiance that makes your haunt that much cooler. But you don't need to have, you know, a a 24 by 36. To to produce that because you're you're not the distraction you're not the scare you're you're the atmosphere and and I what think I call that you eye know, candy there you go that's a good word it's eye for candy
5: it. you want and, I'm and, like okay this doesn't scare anybody but it's really cool eye candy until we get to get them scared and,
0: and okay. if you can sometimes see on the cameras where they they walk past it and then they turn and they look at it and they're going back and forth like this going oh wow that is so cool so
9: yeah you know, and that they, they is still weird. do their job yeah, and that is where you can also set up set it up as a perfect distraction for your haunt that's actor true. to come in. So while they're busy you know looking at the picture, not sure if what they saw actually happens, that's whenever the actor can come in and yeah,
0: that that is true. so, but you know, i I see them all in family rooms and bedrooms and you know, sometimes kitchens and stuff. So if you've got those uh, if you've got those rooms in your haunts and you need that little extra, eye candy so to speak that that's a uh that's a cool thing to do and uh of course we can order those off your site and all the custom work but uh you know i love them i saw them in every pretty much every haunt i i went to this year that did not have just a trail so they don't they don't probably work really well on trails because nailing them to a tree or something just no
9: but uh yeah and i'd recommend you know you have them behind some sort of protective glass or whatever due to the weather elements
0: <laughs> yeah that that they probably don't do well in the rain. But uh yeah, they're pretty cool. But um another thing that we've also wanted to talk about was you know, this time of year, now that you're transitioning out of Halloween 2023, and whether you're doing a Christmas haunt or a Valentine's Day haunt or St. Patrick's Day, it's probably time to update your website. And you know, you you do mighty fine web work. You know, you're the big scary shows webmaster and is this the time of the season or is this the time of the year where people really need to sit down and see how much they need to update? What do they need to change? I know people who say, well, you know, I don't need a website. I've got Facebook. I've got TikTok. I've got Instagram. You know, why do I need to, why do I even need to do a website these days? You know, I've got all this social media out there, but you know, and for those people who need to update their sites and, you know, I know people who, don't update their sites until like August. So, you know, you're going in in July looking for information and it's still 2022 stuff on there. You know, you know when is the best time of the year to really start going in and sitting down with someone like yourself and saying, here's what I need to do during the course of the year for, for my website.
9: Well, now is definitely a good time. I, I also try to stress to everyone, usually November 1st is, you know, a great time to, to start planning and, Discussing that. Uh, But yeah, definitely, you know, by the end of the year uh, is when would be an excellent time for someone to sit down and evaluate, contact me uh, regarding different plans and options that we have available for them. Because yeah, going forward, it becomes something where they don't always think about, like, oh, well, we have a basic website or we have the social media, as you mentioned. And I think a lot of times what not everyone necessarily recognizes is just how vital and important having the website is. Um, because for instance, they, if, if you have like Facebook or Twitter or now known as X, um, that's an issue where, yeah, it's free for you to have and you can update it and everything. Um, but one of the biggest problems that I try to stress to clients is that if your fan base, your followers, move away from whatever social media presence there is, if they're no longer on Facebook or they're not on Instagram anymore or TikTok or Twitter or X, then basically you're losing all that connection to them. And so having the website as a central hub so that they can always come there and then you can, you can build up a following. You can be selling, you know, your tickets on doing advanced sales, Uh, You could even have a a newsletter, just some way of keeping that constant connection with them so that even if you start to lose followers on the social media sites or people just stop using them, uh, you don't lose your customer base and you can continue building that up despite whatever happens with the different social media sites.
5: Can I ask you a question? Okay. Sure. Um, (laughs) I just started asking you without you even saying yes or no. Um, That's how I roll. (laughs) is it true that if you you're doing a bunch of changes to your website in september getting ready for the big haunt season and then november 1st happens and you pretty much don't touch your website again until say the next july or august to update the new calendar and everything is it true that you actually drop down on your google because they kind of see oh you're not active so, as far as the rankings on Google, is that true?
9: Um, I don't. I don't want to give you a, a specific yes or no because, as with so many things, there's always like it. It depends. Um, but there is definitely a factor in there where um, sites like Google and things they want to rank and show fresh content to the people using them. I mean, first and foremost, Google is where people are going for information on something. So if your website hasn't been updated in a long time, or it's showing outdated information, then yeah, Google is going to, whenever it crawls that, it's going to see that the information is outdated. And so it could damage you know your ranking. And so it could drop you down a little bit where before you might've had a top spot and now you dropped a few positions. Uh, there's so many different factors that go into it. So there's not just one single thing. Um, but It's one of those where, of course, like if if you wait till the last minute to update, you know, your calendar and everything, it's better, you know, better late than never. So, you know, you still want to have that up there for even people that are just clicking through, you want to have that information there for them so that they can see it as up to date as it is at the time, at least. Um, But most of the website crawlers and things, they do need time to process all of that. So, we we generally recommend like at least a month out in advance of whenever you're actually going to be opening, if not sooner, if you can start posting even just little updates or things like that or a schedule just so that the, you know, the web crawlers can start seeing changes being made and updates so that then it might help, you know, show that there's activity going on there. And then uh, you'll have a higher likelihood of being shown in a, in a higher spot whenever uh, the, the busy season is upon us.
0: Yeah, especially now that haunts are doing a lot more year round events, they're doing halfway to Halloween, they're doing Friday the 13th, they're doing, you know, Christmas, they're doing Valentine's Day, they're doing, you know, so many other holidays out there. It's not just Halloween anymore. So it makes perfect sense to constantly update as you go along. I want to remind everybody, you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. We are talking to our fine sponsor, Craig Hines of Dark Imaginings, maker of custom changing portraits, a fantastic web designer. We're going to get into some other things he does, but we're going to take a very short break and we will be right back.
4: Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? Haunt has the answer we skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free.
0: And we are back here to the Roundtable of Terror with our very special guest, Craig Hines from Dark Imaginings, one of our very fine sponsors. We were talking a little bit about web design and web work, and I just wanted to throw out, does any, any of the uh, hosts have questions? I know, Johnny, you have a website. I know that uh, I have a website. I may have a question here. I don't know if Storm or Jim have websites at this current time, but uh, any questions from the hosts?
5: Ooh, 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 me. Um, <laughs> I do have a question. So I have my haunted attraction. I also have a mobile escape room business. They are all under one umbrella, LLC. Should I have a separate website for each of those entities or is it okay to keep them all under one?
9: Okay. Yeah, that that is an excellent question. And I'm sure that there's, you know, a lot of listeners out there that probably are in similar situations. Um, The easy answer is what is going to be best for you as far as what you can afford, because It's not essential to have multiple websites, but it is recommended. Uh, So in that case, like, can you get away with just having a single website and then having separate pages dedicated to, say, the the escape room or other themes or things? Uh, Yeah, you can certainly do that. And and there's no harm in actually doing that. If it's not in your budget to have a separate website, then having at least a, a dedicated page or something under the one umbrella website is a good idea um however if you can have it afford it in your budget i do recommend having multiple websites for the different attractions because it's one of those things where if you want to think about it this way like you want to have good you know top results showing up on the search engines like google and things well what's better than having you know the the top listing but having say the top three listings And so if you have different websites that are all connected, but ranking high on the Google search results, you're going to have more content showing up on the search engines. And so that gives you more real estate, so to speak, to play with, uh, with uh, people being able to see you having a higher visibility. Um, And then it looks to the search engines like there's additional content and everything there specific to people's unique questions like they might be looking for, you know, a haunted attraction, but there are some that aren't and they're looking for the escape room, you know, or, or, or something like that or a different theme so if you have those other sites, then it can increase your visibility on the search engines. Uh, so like with anything it, it generally comes down to what you can afford and if you can only afford to have it under a single site right now with just maybe a single page that's better than nothing but of course having the other websites and having them themed out and everything giving it a whole presence of its own does go a long way towards building additional credibility not just with the search engines, but also with your audience who might not care about what you know what haunted attraction is, but they're interested in the the mobile escape room. Um, but you know what often can be done though is if it's like mini escape rooms or things that are uh, just sort of side attractions as part of the main haunted attraction oftentimes that can just be included alongside like as another sub-attraction of the main one and on the same website. But if you have like a dedicated year-round escape room type situation, then you'd probably want to have that ranking differently because people, whenever they do a search in Google, they're not going to want to get the information for what hours the haunted attraction is open. They're looking for what the hours are in prices and everything for the escape room. So that's where having the additional sites and things can benefit you.
5: So what I have, actually, I have both, because the the mobile escape room has its own name. It said Banshee Manor Haunted Attraction. It's Banshee Manor Adventures. So I have two separate DBAs, basically. And I have them on one website, but I do have independent Google pages for each of them.
9: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that can work. And if nothing else, what I also recommend people, if they can get multiple domain names, because um, domain names, if you can get them and, you know, they haven't already been reserved by somebody else uh, you can get them very inexpensively. And I also, that's another thing that I try to stress to clients is how important having that domain name is uh, because you can literally get your domain name for your attraction for you know a few dollars depending on when certain sales are on or you know generally you might be paying you know depending on what sale um say like ten dollars or less or typically closer to like twenty dollars or so on a typical com domain um but if someone else were to go and reserve that domain name and especially with like domain squatters they have no intention of ever setting up a business or anything or being a competitor, but they just want to get it so that then you'll have to buy it off of them and pay hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for that domain name. So I always recommend if you can get the domain name, you know, try to get it, you know, as inexpensively as possible, which is get it before someone else has reserved it. Because then it gives you, um, you know, you can just keep renewing it. And you don't have to keep, you know, you don't have to pay thousands of dollars. So I've even had that where, you know, some clients are like, well, we're not sure if we're opening this year, should we let it expire? I'm like, no, don't just, just pay the fee to renew for the other year. And, you know, if you decide not to open for this year, you'll have it for next year, because if you let it expire, then someone else could snatch it up and then you might never get that back. So that's, it's sort of a, a slightly different answer to the question you were asking but as far as having multiple things there even if you had stuff under the same website sometimes you might mu- you want to look into getting multiple domains that even just redirect to the same website but having the multiple domain names can help you there or also prevent a competitor from stealing your traffic yeah i
0: can imagine a.com a.org a .net, .co dot you know whatever
9: yeah, or How a lot of times, like, you can get some of the other, you know, the the uh, domain extensions, like you are saying, like the .org and things. I would say in those cases, if you can get a .com, that's always the most, you know, most feasible because that's what most people are just defaulted to typing in. Um, but the other thing is sometimes getting variants of spelling, like if, if you have a unique spelling for your haunted attraction and you know people might be misspelling it, then you might want to consider snapping up a few domain names with common misspellings of that. So they might all be, you know, dot-coms, but it just might be a slight alteration so that that way you know if somebody types in the wrong domain, you can just have it forward to the correct one.
0: Yeah, just just think of how many trails of terror, trails to terror, trails with terror, how many, you know, fear this, fear that, fear the other, you know farms and forests and all that stuff. It's it's incredible how much uh, you know how much uh, similar all these things are, and just you know being able to snap up that domain name. Yeah, I've uh, I, I've kept mine a long time. I have a .org, and uh, our show's been around a long time. And I know that we've talked about having to update it um, for people who've had long-standing websites you know some people have had websites for 20 plus years um i'm not sure how to word this but are are there any things are there things that we have to be more aware of now when it comes to updating a website are there you know new technologies that you know don't necessarily work with old technologies or are there standards of websites if you know we're probably going to discuss with you later on early next year, maybe about updating our site? Are there things that we need to be aware of now regarding an an updated website that we may not have had to worry about, you know, when we set this thing up a dozen years ago or so?
9: Oh, most definitely. And that's another conversation that I'll often have with clients because they'll say, well, we've had this website. It's been working fine for 10 years, you know, but so why, why should we update it? And I'll say, well, technology has changed a tremendous amount uh, and so you know you can get a lot of additional benefits out of having a, a refreshed website built on newer technologies but as far as other things that a lot of people don't realize are going on or they're, they're just not keeping up with it a lot of legal issues and things like that for instance uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, with recent changes over you know the last several years um, that they might be um, legally, responsible if somebody can't access the website that is disabled and uh so your website should be compliant with ada accessibility concerns in mind because um just because <laughs> say for instance your haunted attraction you might specify that you know you're not uh accessible for disabled people Um, the website is still considered a public extension of the business or, you know, the the store, so to speak. And so that's considered uh, something where under current legal laws, you are responsible for that. And so if, for instance, people are having difficulty navigating the website, uh, trying to access content or making a purchase because uh, they are disabled and it doesn't have these features built into it, uh, technically you could be on the hook for a lawsuit. Uh, I know that's a scary thing that not everyone wants to discuss, um, but it's something that you should be aware of. And so there are, you know, certain fixes and things that you can do temporarily to at least, you know, relieve some of that. Uh, Sometimes it also involves uh, just rebuilding a site from scratch where it might be easier to just bring it up to current code standards and everything so that the accessibility and everything is just handled. One, it takes all the legal reliability off of you because you know that now it's accessible. And the other thing is it's just the right thing to do. I just, you know, everyone should be able to access your website to be able to find out is this attraction for me or not. And so if that is yet another barrier for them to be able to access it, then it becomes difficulty, and so even just from that standpoint, you don't want to make it difficult for anyone. Uh, so you, you want to try and you know be able to reach as many people as possible. So uh, that's something where a lot of people don't realize that their website itself, under current laws, uh, should be uh, accessible for uh, people to access using like keyboard devices and things that not normally, you know, people would be thinking about. I imagine
6: that idea. that's uh, also oh. extremely important um, for any um, haunts that will. I'm sorry, the cat just decided to run across me. Uh, for <laughs> any haunts that do any type of giveaway that involves the website, I'd imagine that might be the the big loophole that could really uh, open you up for liability if you're not careful and put five minutes of uh, thought into it.
9: No, sure. I mean, yeah, that that is an interesting you know point to to make about it is that you know if you are doing something like that and it's supposed to be open to everyone if you're actually like even if it's completely unintentional but if you are excluding people from being able to do that simply because it's next to impossible for them to even you know access it um that that could prove to be you know a legal complication furthermore another sort of side aspect of it not related to the the accessibility aspect but is just uh, general privacy laws and everything too, especially with contests and things. Uh, So for instance, like this is extremely important over in um, Europe and a lot of people think, well, I'm just dealing with, you know, haunts here in the United States or just in my state, it's a local thing. What does that matter? But your website is accessible to anyone throughout the world. So, you know, you technically do have to be mindful about certain legal responsibilities you have for people that might be visiting your website that are in other countries uh, that have different privacy laws and things like that. Uh, Here in the States, more and more states, like for instance, California, they are updating privacy laws and things so that even if your state is, for instance, you know, Florida, but you have somebody that's visiting from California Technically, you could be responsible if you're collecting certain information, because, for instance, you know, it's generally a good idea to have some sort of data analytics for your website so that you know how many people are visiting you, how often, what buttons they're clicking on so that you know what's working and what isn't. The issue with that in the privacy laws becomes then you are tracking information, and so you can have things where they have to opt in and say, yes, I'll allow cookies or certain, you know, tracking. Um, But with some of these privacy laws, especially like within California and some other States now, uh, if you, whenever you're using those analytics to track your, you know, the visitors that are coming to the website, then that is technically information that's going to Google or whatever other companies are providing these services for you. And so that, that could be violating certain states privacy laws so it's something to be mindful of so it's not like not something to be worried about as far as well we need to get all the tracking or everything off there because no they provide a lot of benefit and especially from marketing points of view and things it's just a matter of being compliant and being open with your visitors saying like okay these are what we are tracking this is what is happening. This is how the data is being used. If you decide not to do that, certain features may be disabled on the website. So you may not get the full experience of the website, but we have to do that in order to comply. So you you allow people the opportunity to opt in or out to these certain features. Uh, but so that way it gets the legal responsibility off of you. And so that then you can say, hey, look, we, we provided these options there so that you know, we, we aren't on the hook as far as, you know, the privacy laws and things like that. Uh, but like I said, unfortunately, a lot of people don't recognize that, you know, they think especially with, you know, just having like a social media website, like on Facebook or something. Well, obviously, Facebook is doing all that tracking and they're tracking whenever they you click off the Facebook website to come to the don't come to your website. So all that information is there. But if you're not being responsible in how it's being handled, then it could become a problem later on.
5: How is the well. average person supposed to know all of this? I mean obviously that's a great advantage for hiring someone such as you to do our web developments um and stuff because you're in the know but um people like me who use like I just use GoDaddy um they don't tell me all this stuff.
9: Uh, that's one of the unfortunate downsides to a lot of this and you know the average person isn't expected to know all of this but it doesn't mean that they're you
6: know
9: less responsible for it because like I said you, you might not be aware of it but that's why hiring a professional someone that handles these things you know you know a company like ours or other companies that you know specialize in these industries and providing these services, that's our responsibility to try and keep up on top of these things and to know about it. So it's one of those, try to provide peace of mind for our clients so that they know that whenever they're coming to us, it's not just because they need a website, but because we're also going to bring all that additional knowledge and information and know-how so that all those things that you weren't aware and you know, you you technically like, you know, you just, blissfully unaware that you you were on the hook for these things but uh whenever you come to us we can say okay we we got your back here so we we can take care of that so, so that you don't have to worry about it
0: yeah i'm i i had no idea you know i've had my website up for you know over a decade and you know i have no idea if i'm ada compliant or not probably not because i don't i don't factor in that it was probably necessary a decade ago so interesting and you know we're definitely going to have to discuss that when it comes time to uh do a little update and upgrades to our site so that's fascinating and and i'm glad that you brought that up because I, i have learned something today and i assume everybody else listening is hopefully learning something about this any other questions regarding web design web work and all this from the co-host I was going to suggest or I was going to ask one last question um how often are you know major updates to a site needed versus you know little minor tweaks you know changing from Halloween to Christmas to Valentine's Day I mean do most sites need to go through a major upgrade like annually or every couple of years based on your experience with how how quickly the technology is changing
9: um, yeah it depends uh for some clients it, it you can get by for a, a few years without it it depends on how it was built in the first place so um if it you know, like for instance if it's you know not accessible on mobile devices then that's a major problem right there um but most websites nowadays just by default do have the features where they can you know render properly on a mobile device because that's where the majority of your you know visitors are going to be you know using their phones or you know tablets and things and not necessarily using a desktop computer or even a laptop. Uh, but so if yeah if your website's more than 10 years old and it hasn't been updated and it wasn't even done with any uh responsiveness in mind as far as mobile devices, then I'd say you definitely need to get that updated ASAP. Um, but said if it's, if it at least can handle mobile devices and things, then you might be good. You know, you're in a better position than someone who isn't. Um, But I'd say a general, you know, idea is every couple years. So like maybe every two years, just consider like, you know, evaluate it. Does it need a full redesign and update or does it just need some, you know, basic changes and fixes and things like that? Because as you said, you know the technology does constantly change and everything, but it just because that does doesn't mean that everything on your site needs to be. Uh, it also depends on. Uh, I've had situations where a client might come to me and they have a website that was built by someone else, and you know it might you know do its job and, and function just fine, uh, but as far as the ability for me to go in and make the updates or make the you know changes that they're requesting it's just, it's better and more cost efficient uh, to actually just rebuild the whole thing from scratch in cases like that. Uh, So it really depends. And in cases like that, where someone approaches me, we can always evaluate that. You know, if they give me an opportunity to sort of peek at the backside of the code and see how everything's put together and stuff, I can determine whether or not, you know, it just needs you know, a few tweaks, uh, some updates to something, or if the whole infrastructure needs to be changed.
0: Wow. Let's uh, let's move on a little bit. I'm looking at the clock, and I know we probably should start winding this down soon, but let's talk a little bit about your uh, your new publishing company. I guess it's not new now. It's new to us. Because the last time we were we had you on the show, we were talking a lot about the book that you put out many years ago. But since then, you have gone into the world of publishing and have opened up your own company. Tell us a little bit about this. This sounds fascinating.
9: Sure. Well, yeah, a few years ago, uh, back in 2020, I decided to launch a new publishing imprint uh, that's called Stygian Press. Uh, You can find that at stygianpress.com. That's spelled S-T-Y-G-I-A-N, press.com. And uh, it's just a small independent, you know, publishing company that's run by myself where uh we're focusing mostly on you know horror and science fiction uh those type of novels and things we have uh two vampire novels that were put out by other authors uh that's come forth in blood and lie still the dead uh and i'm happy to say that lie still the dead recently won some awards for cover design and uh, it also won a, a silver for nomination in the uh, Best Horror Novel for 2023 by the uh, Independent Book Publishers Association. So we're, we're happy about that, getting some recognition for it. Uh, and then uh, for our science fiction side of things, uh, we just released uh, earlier this year uh, the first novel in a series called The Stars Are My Salvation by uh, Stephen Langford. And some people might actually know his name. Uh, He's been around Hollywood for many, many years, uh, executive producing and directing and writing on different shows. Uh, For instance, he was involved with uh, the television show Family Matters for many years. Uh, He also had uh, some hands in uh, Steven Spielberg's Tiny Toon Adventures. And uh, some other shows. And then uh, m- more recently, he also penned a few episodes of uh, the Creep Show series on Shudder. So we were happy to bring steven along board and uh, publish his first debut science fiction novel. And, uh, you know, it's been going great. And we're looking forward. He already has several more planned in the series. So we're looking forward to releasing those in the future. And we got some other novels in the pipeline too.
0: Oh, very nice. I, uh, I am a voracious reader and this past year, I actually submitted a short story for, um, J. Michael Roddy's A Haunter's Tale, Volume 3. Yep,
9: very nice. And, uh,
0: I, I do not know if that will be included in the book, but, uh, but I did send in a, a short story there. So, I mean, it is so nice to know that there is still plenty of horror fiction out there and maybe even some nonfiction. I don't know, but, uh. You know, how does one, if if a budding horror writer or science fiction writer or fantasy writer or something wanted to get something like that possibly published, how how does one go about doing that? Is it just a matter of contacting a publishing company such as yours or somebody else's? But Or, or do they go to one of those websites where they just kind of self-publish and see if anybody reads it?
9: Uh, well, it it really depends. Um, for small presses like myself, uh, we only open certain times for submissions. Whenever we're willing to accept new submissions, and currently we only release maybe one or two books a year because this is more of a, a side uh, project for us. Like say, Dark, Dark Imaginings is the primary you know business driver, but I still really appreciate doing you know the publishing side of things and and getting that kind of content out there too which is why i do it uh so we we do sometimes accept submissions and that'll go under a review period uh but so for people that are aspiring to do that uh yeah what i would say is search online for you know follow different publishing presses uh especially the more indie ones because you know whenever you follow them on their social media or other authors that you enjoy uh that might be associated with them they're usually more than happy to announce whenever they'll be opening for submissions. And so they'll tell you the exact guidelines of what they're looking for, what kind of content, uh, the word count, you know, all those other you know details. And so you can just sort of, you know, shop around, find out who might be interested and, and do that. Um, but there is still the possibility of always, as you said, like doing the self-publishing route, which is myself what I did and what this was originally born out of, you know, I set up my own publishing company to do this very thing because I just, I had things to say and I wanted to be able to do it in a certain way. And I had the technical, you know, know how to be able to do the, the cover artwork, to do the typesetting, the layout, the design. So it's one of those things where, you know, not everyone can do that, but you know, if you are capable and you have the ability, you can do it yourself. Uh, it's possible much more now than it was even 20 years ago whenever I first was looking into all this stuff. Uh, so you know it's just a matter of really knowing, you know what all is involved because whenever you're doing that, it is a lot of work. So sometimes having a publisher you know take you on does help because uh, they can do a lot of the heavy lifting with that. Um, but don't get discouraged if you you can't seem to break through because there are other opportunities available my son is a budding
0: writer as well so you know i might have to put him in touch with you if you ever decide to you know open up for submissions he he's writing a fantasy novel at this point but uh we'll 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 talk off the air on that but uh (laughs) any uh any other questions from the hosts before we wind this down If not, well, Craig, we definitely want to thank you so very much for taking time out of your no doubt very busy schedule to come and talk to us here on The Big Scary Show, not only about some of your your products like the portraits and things, but also your web design and, of course, your your new fledgling publishing company. And we wish you nothing but success in all of those. For people who are interested in the, the changing portraits, maybe they want to do something custom, maybe they want to... uh Maybe a haunt owner would like to recognize one of his best actors of the year or something with a cool portrait like that. Or maybe you guys want to uh, do something of that ilk and and fill your haunted house with cool portraits. Or maybe you need a web upgrade. Maybe you don't know if your haunt is compliant with certain new types of regulations and you need to get that on your website and all that. How, how can people get more information about all these things that you do socials and
9: all that as well well first of all thank you very much for inviting me onto the show it's been wonderful and for anyone that would like to get in touch with me uh they can go to darkimaginings.com uh that's for all the haunted attraction you know side of things so if they need the you know haunted attraction website or for escape rooms uh or if they're looking for the changing portraits Uh, you can go to darkimaginings.com and uh, reach out to me there. uh, And I'll be happy to uh, follow up with you. Uh, As I said, it is a very busy time of the year, but uh, please be patient. I'll get back to you. And uh, looking forward to all the new things we have planned in the upcoming new year as far as web projects and things and uh, giving everyone sort of a, a new upgrade on their old sites.
0: I know you used to vend at Transworld, and I believe you were at Kong in Pittsburgh or Midwest a couple of times. Are you going to be attending any conventions or trade shows in, say, the next year or so? Uh,
9: at this time, no, unfortunately. I have considered it. You know, I never rule it out completely. Uh, but right now, with my schedule and everything else going on between the haunted attraction side of the business and the book publishing side of the business and everything else, it becomes quite difficult at times to schedule things like this. So uh, I would always love to return again, the trans world. Uh, and it has been many years, like I said, since I was at Haunt Con, uh and even Midwest Haunters. Uh, so I'm always looking forward to those things, but at this time, unfortunately I don't have any announcements about appearing there. So if you want to get in touch with me and book a project, now is an excellent time.
0: You know they do have that newly announced East Coast Honors Convention coming to Philadelphia, so that's just a uh, just across the state from you.
9: Yeah, mm. that is true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am aware of that. I, I believe me, I'm considering it.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let us know if you do. But uh, we want to thank Craig Hines. Remember, folks, if you need changing portraits, web design, maybe you're a publishing, maybe you're an aspiring writer, contact him through DarkImaginings.com. We couldn't do this without our fine gahos as well, including Storm.
6: We're taking up a collection now to not create the badger changing into Princess Trainwreck uh, changing portrait. Oh,
0: Oh, you couldn't afford me not to do that. But yes, that's probably very, very wise that uh, that never happens. We we also want to thank Meat Hook Jim.
7: You know, I had some woody repartee, but storm just took the wind out of
0: my sails. <laughs> so, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Mick Ultra. There you go. So now we have that.
6: Also, well, want to poor thank... Craig's going to be drinking after thinking he's got to <laughs> edit a picture of Prince's train wreck. Now, <laughs> oh
9: yeah, 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 I'll send you the therapy bill.
6: Yeah, and uh,
0: and <laughs> I will not pay it. I also want to thank Jana, aka the old crone.
5: Oh, I wish I had something witty to say as well, but it's been a long day. So thanks, Craig.
6: Our (laughs) listeners wish I had something witty to say (laughs) at each episode, too.
0: My name is Drew Badger, and again, we want to thank Dark Imaginings for being a very fine sponsor for many, many years of The Big Scary Show. Without them and our other fine sponsors, we would not be doing what we do today. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing remains to be seen. But you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on The Big Scary Show.
9: Craig Hines from Dark Imaginings at darkimaginings.com and you're listening Greetings to the listeners big listeners Scary and Show. And welcome.
1: welcome.
7: Watch out. Don't trip don't over, don't over, trip that, over
1: torso. that torso.
7: It's time, it's time. for, Between, it's time. for Between, Between the the, the corpses. corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here, and on this episode of Between the Corpses, we are moving into the 20th century and the electric chair. The electric chair was first used in New York on August 6, 1890, to dispatch wife killer William Kemmler. Its design owes much to Thomas Edison, the pioneer of electricity. He opposed capital punishment but operated behind the scenes. To ensure the use of an alternating current rival to his direct current thereby discrediting AC electricity by its association with death. A charge of 1300 volts for 17 seconds failed to kill Kemmler. His life was taken with a further shock that lasted more than one minute. Witnesses were concerned that death was so long coming. The New York Times called the chair a disgrace to civilization. George Westinghouse, who developed alternating current and spent considerable effort trying to save Kemler from the chair, said they would have done better with an axe. Other American states chose to follow the New York example, and various designers and makers from across America earned the dubious accolade of father of the electric chair. Fundamentally... The condemned is strapped into the chair, which is usually made of oak, and a saline-soaked, sponge-tipped electrodes are attached to their ankles and shaved head by way of the helmet. The executioner administers a shock of about 2,000 volts for a minute or more to render the condemned unconscious, followed by two smaller charges, then a further full shock. More than 4,300 people have met their death in the electric chair, including the spies Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, Leon Zolzig, who assassinated President William McKinley, Bruno Hauptmann, convicted of murdering the Lindbergh baby, and serial killer Ted Bundy. Yet of the 25 states that once employed an electric chair, only four have retained its services. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and Nebraska. Its diminishing popularity is linked with the horror stories that surround, that surround it. When Pedro, when killer Pedro Medina was executed in Florida's electric chair in 1997, flames leapt from the, kelp, from the helmet covering his head. The death penalty debate moved center stage once more. Flames and smoke came from the hood worn by policeman killer Jesse Tafferno in 1990. It took the wardens over four minutes to deliver a charge sufficient to knock him out. It took five jolts and 17 minutes for William Vandiver to die in Indiana in 1985. Many chairs were antiques before they were abandoned. Following the outcry over Medina, Florida invested in a new model, only to have its first occupant, murderer Alan Lee Davis, in July 1999, bleed profusely from the chest and mouth. Cables were incorrectly connected to Willie Francis, allegedly by drunken staff. The vultures was insufficient to kill him on May 3rd, 1946. A subsequent appeal to the US Supreme Court failed and he was returned to the chair the following year. This time it was in full working order. So, um, you know, the electric chair, It's had its, uh, people have debated a lot about it, uh, and I see, you know, a lot of them going to lethal injection or the gas chamber now, but, you know, there's always been the debate about how, how humane the electric chair was. Anyhow, catch you on the next episode.
9: Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For
6: over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine foot giants. Great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com.
1: Now that's creepy. Beyond hunger and war, beyond earthquakes and tidal waves, there is a fate the human mind can barely comprehend. Total annihilation. And there is nothing on Earth or anywhere else to prevent it. End of the world. You have everything to look forward to. Except tomorrow. It's probably science
4: fiction, but what if it's not? Rated PG. Wednesday, 13 Wednesday. Look what the bats dragged in. That's the big scary Show.
0: Matt Scott from Von Grimm Productions. You're listening to The Big Scary Show.
4: Ohio Haunted House owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio Haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook.
5: (laughs) It's time for Ask the Old Crone. (laughs) Well, Halloween and... Haunt season 2023 is now a thing of the past. There are a few haunts that are still doing some um, special events this coming weekend, and I wish them all the best, but I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how to determine whether or not this season was a success. There's a lot of ways to determine that. The number of guests, the ticket sales, um, how much you've grown as a haunt from where you were the year before but a lot of those things are kind of arbitrary and sometimes we have to look a little bit deeper as to whether or not the season was a success so I I want you to ask yourself regardless of the ticket sales whether they were up or down did you have fun did you feed your passion for haunting? Do you want that passion to continue? Do you feel that fire to build something even bigger and better next year? I think if you say yes to those things, that's what really deems a season of success. Whenever you're a small haunt like I am, sometimes you just hope to make enough money to be able to play again next year. And I'm looking at a lot of changes because there's a lot of things I want to do better that I can't do in my current venue. And my tickets were not as good as they have been in the past, but hopefully i make it enough money to continue playing the game. The main thing is, is that fire still there to be a haunter? Is that desire there to continue building something even bigger and better for next year? I'm a little tired right now, and a lot of sore muscles, but I think that fire is still there as well. So I'm going to deem my success good for the 2023, and I hope you do as well.
6: Enter the haunted world of Fright and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference. Fright Find will make in your haunt listing.
8: It could be true, you know. There could actually be a man named Barnabas Collins, and he could actually be a real vampire. House of Dark Shadows from MGM, see how the vampires
3: do. Rated GP, All Ages, Parental Guidance.
4: Creature Feature, American Gothic, on The Big Scary Show.
10: I'll just get now your whole plans And what if you will be the true team.
3: This is Robert Kelly from Dark Seed Creations, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Ready to
1: dress up your show? Need to pump new life into old props? Just want to show something no one else has? Do what Alice Cooper, Distortions Unlimited, and A-list haunters all over the world do. Wear Von Caron. Durable, handcrafted, dependable, year after year. Von Caron. When you scare enough, to wear the very best. voncharon.com,
4: v-o-n-c-h-a-r-o-n.com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios Creepy Collection Dark Imaginings Fright Finder Haunt Pay Von Caron Productions and VFX Creates We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse And we couldn't do this without the three hosts, including Badger Haunt Consulting and More RabidBadger.org Meat Hook Jim Check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com and Storm, Rants, and more, HauntMinute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing.
0: The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show, LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.